Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. Last week, uh, I began talking to you about the church, uh, kind of a continuation of, of something Pastor Ron began several weeks before. And as I said, I, I had intended to kind of continue on with that, but I had preacher ADD and ended up uh, going a completely different direction. So we're coming back around to that now, um, but talking about the church and uh, the, the uh, importance of the church, but not just the importance of the church, the identity of the church. You know, I think um, I mentioned this last week. If you were to ask uh, the average American what the church is, Probably, I'm making up these statistics, so this might not be right, but I would guess to say, I'd say somewhere around 90%, or we'll just say the majority of people would say that the church is a service on Sunday morning where a group of people meet, have worship, have a message, and that's the church. And I want to tell you, that's not the church. The service is for the church but the service does not equal the church. That the church is the body of Christ. You and I make up the church. That God is the head, the chief cornerstone. But that we make up the body of Christ, which is the bride, which is his church. That the service is important, right? The service is important. We need to make sure we have, we, we do the service with excellence. We need to make sure that we attend the service and the service is important. Getting together and doing what we do on Sunday morning is incredibly important, but it does not equal the church. It is for the church, but it is not the church. And last week we gave uh, some different ideas on what the church is. And I want to give those to you and review just real fast. The church is not built on the vision of the pastor or the leaders or the people. The church is built on the revelation of Jesus Christ. We used uh, Matthew 16 as our background last week. Matthew 16, uh, Peter or Jesus is asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? Some say that you're Elijah, some a prophet. Some say John the Baptist. Then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says that you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and says, blessed are you Barjona for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And then he looks at him and he says, and you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus wasn't saying that he was gonna build the church on the back of Peter or on Peter's shoulders. What he was saying was that he was gonna build the church on the revelation that Peter had, which was that Jesus was the Messiah, that he is the Christ. That the church is not built in my image, it's not built in the image of the leadership and it's not built in the image of the congregation. The church is built in the image of Jesus Christ, amen? He may give vision, let me say it this way, he will give vision to the pastors. He will give vision to the leadership on the direction of the church, but the church is not built in their image. It's built in his image. Amen. So the church is not built in the image of the pastor or the leadership. The church is built by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The other thing we talked about, the church is not fragile. The church is unstoppable. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
that the church is not affected by the culture, but rather the culture is affected by the church. Not even all of hell could overpower the church. Not even all of hell can overpower the church. Which means if the culture is gaining any ground on the church, it's not because the culture has become more powerful than the church. It's because the church has forgotten who she is. The church is unstoppable. Not even all of hell can stop the church. Which means that the culture does not affect the church. The church affects the culture. Which led us into this thought here. That the church is not subject to the culture. Rather, the church transforms the culture till it looks like heaven. Upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That we hold the keys to the kingdom in our hand. Amen. And that whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Listen, culture shifts because of the sons and daughters of God. Culture is transformed because of the sons and daughters of God. Jesus prayed in, his, in the Lord's prayer that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. And how many of you know Jesus never prayed a prayer that he did not mean? He wants earth to look like heaven and it is our job, it is our responsibility as the church to see that happen because we hold the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. That we, our responsibility as a church is to see heaven come to earth. Amen. Which brings us to today. I want to read here in Acts chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up with me. Acts chapter two. Going to start in verse one. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation this morning. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were gathered together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At this time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. Let's skip now down to verse 14. It says, Then Peter stepped forward, with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as well some of you might be assuming. It's nine o'clock in the morning and it is much too early for that. Now that you have seen, or no, I'm sorry, no, what you are seeing was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon you, all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord's arrival. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. Will be saved. The very first point I want to make here this morning is this. The church is not a building filled with the presence of God. Rather, the church is a people filled with the presence of God. The church is not a building filled with the presence of God, but rather the church is a people filled with the presence of God. Now, many would say that the birth of the church happened here in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came and fell on the believers. And I want you to notice that there was no pews around. There was no communion trays. There was no worship team. There was no, um, there was no uh, other churchy things. What are some other churchy things? There's, Paul, Peter wasn't dressed in a suit and tie. Peter, Peter was actually had just spent probably around 10 days in an upper room with all these other men. I, I imagine Peter probably looked a little disheveled. How many of you parents have, have seen what Amber and I looked like when you came and picked up your kids from a lock-in? That's probably about what Peter looked like uh, when, he, when, they, when Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came. So there was, there was none of these churchy things. What was there here at the birth of the church? There was a people filled with the Holy Spirit, praising God and declaring Jesus. That the church is a people filled with the presence of God. The church is a people filled with the presence of God. First Corinthians. Oh, let me say this. What, what was the result of that? There was 120 people filled with the Holy Spirit, praising God and declaring Jesus. The result was 3,000 people were added to the church that day. It wasn't because they had an incredible worship team. It wasn't because they had an articulate preacher. It wasn't because they had an incredible light show. It was because they had a people that were filled with the presence of God declaring Jesus. And the result was that 3,000 people came to life that day. For the church to be effective, we have to be a people filled with the presence of God. Amen. We don't have to get our show right. We have to get the presence of God right. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You are the temple of God. That this building is beautiful and it's awesome that we have a space to gather, but this building is not the church. You host the presence of God. You are the temple of God. Colossians 1 tells us, in fact, that the great mystery that was hidden from all of the ages past before, this is the great mystery that the Father, that God now dwells within you, that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery that was hidden from the ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory, that the church is a people filled with the presence of God. If the presence of God is in a building, it's not because God likes the building. It's because there is a person or a people there who hosts the presence of God within themselves. If the presence of God is in a place, it's not because he likes the place. It's because there's a person there who hosts the presence of God within themselves. You know, you've heard us talk before about how when we were at the ramp, 
We lived there in Alabama for a couple years um, back in 2010. Yeah, 2010. We moved home in 2012. Yeah, 2012. And the, it's, it's a neat place because when you step into the sanctuary of the ramp, it's like there's just this, this atmosphere change. And you can just sense the presence of God. And I used to think, well, God just has this grace over this house. But what I've come to learn is that it wasn't the sanctuary that was special. It was the people there who were willing to tend to the fire. Who were willing to do what it took to host his presence well. Who were willing to say, to ask of themselves, if, if I partake of this, is that going to be pleasing to the Holy Spirit on the inside of me? Or, or will, it, will it be something that he doesn't like? And if it's something he doesn't like, then I'm not going to partake because I want to host the presence well. So it wasn't a, it was, it wasn't a special sanctuary. It was a place where people tended the fire. And because they tended to the fire and they hosted his presence well, then the people that came into the room got to benefit from how well they hosted the presence of God. That the church is not a building filled with his presence. The church is a people filled with his presence. If we want the presence of God in this room, in this sanctuary, what it takes is a people who tend to the fire, who let that incense burn day and night and night and day and host his presence, amen? The church, once again, is a people, or is, a, is not a building filled with his, present, with his presence. The church is a people filled with his presence. The church is not a social club for religious people but rather the church is the hands and feet of Jesus. Acts chapter two, verse 42 says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So the church is not a social glove for religious people. The church is the hands and feet of Jesus. John chapter 17, verse 18 uh, says this. It says, I have commissioned them to represent me just as you have commissioned me to represent you. Jesus said this while he was praying the night before he was crucified. As he was praying for his disciples, as he was talking to his father, he says, I have commissioned them to represent me just as I have commissioned, just as you have commissioned me to represent you. We have the responsibility as the church to represent Jesus, and we are filled with the same Holy Spirit that he was in order to fulfill that responsibility. Amen? In Mark chapter 9, we see a familiar story where Jesus and John and Peter and James were coming down from the mountain transfiguration. Now, as they were coming down from the mountain, they came up to a crowd of people who were all uh, debating and yelling at each other. And so the disciples asked, you know, what's going on? Peter, James, and John asked what's going on. And as they were doing that, this man comes forward, this, this father comes forward with his son. 
and stands before Jesus and he says, Jesus, my son, my son here deals with epilepsy and he's been tormented by evil spirits and, and every time the evil spirits torment him, they, they throw him in the water and then they throw him in the fire and, and there's nothing we can do to, to stop it. So I brought him to your disciples to set him free. But your disciples were not able to cast him out. And so, Jesus, I bring him to you. And Jesus has this gracious reply to his disciples. He says, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the boy to me. And we all know the rest of the story. The boy gets brought to him. Jesus casts out the demons. The boy is healed and completely made well. But the point I want to make here is this. They first brought the boy to the disciples and they were unable to cast out the demons. And Jesus rebukes the disciples, right? He doesn't say, oh guys, it's cool. I got it. No big deal. No, he says, perverse generation. How long? Do I have to suffer? I think the King James actually says, how long do I have to suffer with you? You know, Jesus was on the earth for three and a half years, right? I don't think there was any magical number. I don't think three and a half years was some magical number, right? I think he was on the earth for three and a half years because it took three and a half years for him to get it through their thick skulls that they had the power and ability and the authority to do what he did on the earth. That we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We have been given the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead to quicken our mortal bodies. The Bible says that the works that he did, you shall do and greater works than these. We are here to represent Jesus on the earth. We are the body of Christ working on the earth today. We are not a social club that gathers on Sunday mornings and every now and then eats afterwards, right? We are the body of Christ, which means we should be operating as he does. We should look like Jesus does. And when we begin operating like Jesus does, we'll begin having the same effect that Jesus had. We are his hands and feet. Amen. We are the body of Christ. We're not a social club for religious people. I like that one. We're not a social club for religious people. Which brings us to this next one. The church is not a Sunday morning service. The church is a fiery community. Acts chapter 2 verse 44 it says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Another translation says that he added to their fellowship those who were coming alive, who were coming alive. The first church didn't meet on Sunday mornings. They met daily. So there's the first announcement. We're gonna have church 
every single day this week. (laughs) The first church didn't meet on Sunday mornings. They met daily. They met at the temple and they met at each other's homes. The first church was not about big congregations. It was about the dead coming to life. It was not about how many people can we fit into one room on a Sunday morning. And if we can't, once we fill that up and max it out, then let's start a satellite campus with another TV. And, and all of those things are great. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not downing those things because they're valuable. But that's not what the church was about. The church was about the dead coming to life. The church grew, but the point wasn't that they had 3,000 people join the church. The point was that 3,000 people came to life. That 3,000 people were dead, but now they are alive. I think a lot of times we think growth equals health. And sometimes growth does equal health. But sometimes growth doesn't always equal health. That if you're growing your numbers, but nobody's coming to life, then you're building a really great social club for religious people. The church is not just about growing. The church is about growing, but growing because dead people are coming to life. Amen. Dead people are coming to life. I think too many churches are too busy building big congregations instead of fiery communities. Fiery communities. They were not building a big church, the first church, but a fiery community, a community that when people encountered it, it caused something to come to life on the inside of them. That when people encountered this group, this body of people, this church, that they didn't, They weren't amazed by the show, but rather they came to life on the inside. I want a fiery community that believes they can lay their hands on the sick and see them recover. I want a fiery community that believes, um, that still believes that all it takes is one moment in the presence of God to transform a life forever. This fiery community in Acts 2 gather not only because of their love for Christ, but also because of their love for one another. That they met at the temple, but they would also go and meet in each other's homes. They would go and meet in each other's homes. This was never meant to be, uh, let let me just say this here. They met in each other's homes because they wanted to. There's the point I'm trying to make. That this fiery community gathered because of their love for Christ and their love for his ministry and their, to be able to see the dead come to life. But they also met together because they deeply loved each other. They deeply loved each other. In fact, it says that if there was any of them in need, if there was one person in need in their community, then their need would be provided for. To the degree that even if they had to sell something of their own, in order to provide for the other person, they were willing to let those things go and to sacrifice that so the other person 
would have what they need. They did that not because they were forced to. You know, there's some, I've, I've, I've met before people who have built communities around this ideology where you have to live this life where everything is dictated by the head person in the community. You know what, you know what that sounds like to me? Sounds like a cult, doesn't it? <laughs> like, oh, they, they get to decide where everything goes. That's not what's happening here. Nobody was forcing them to sell their goods. They did it because they loved one another. They did it because they wanted to sacrifice for one another and to be able to give and to make sure everybody in the community had what they needed. Even if that meant I have to go without as long as you have what you needed. They had love for one another. This fiery community had love for one another. As I was preparing this message um, there's a few examples that I thought of. One of, the, one of the most powerful examples I could think of in this church was back in 2007 when Terry and Eddie had their motorcycle accident. Now, I was graduating high school at that point in time, so I wasn't here for that. But the impact that that had uh, was so big that I still hear stories about how the community gathered around them. So if you don't know, like me, like I didn't know, let me tell you the story. In 2007, uh, Terry and Eddie and Linda and Larry and uh, there was some others, I think, a whole group of people were up riding their motorcycles because they're awesome. In northern Indiana, they were riding around their motorcycles and Terry and Eddie got into a really bad motorcycle accident. Um, severe injuries to their legs and I don't know the whole extent, but I know it was very severe injuries. So they come back home after they've received treatment, all of that. They end up moving in for a little while with Linda and Larry so that Linda and Larry could take care, take care of them. Meals brought to them daily, making sure that they were fed and had what they need. Uh, financial needs, I believe, even being helped and taken care of. And just, and, and this, I think, is one of the most beautiful parts of the whole story. Uh, at this point in time, we're having service up in this, this building over here. This building wasn't even here yet. And uh, if you've noticed, that building doesn't have great handicap accessibility. There's stairs each way to get up there, and then there's the, the floor's at an angle. And at this time, Terry and Eddie were in wheelchairs because of their injuries. And the congregation, people, to make sure that they could be here on a Sunday morning, would carry their chairs up the steps so they could be in the sanctuary. That is a fiery community. That is a community of people who love each other and will lay down their lives to make sure that my brother and my sister has what they need, that they're gonna be healthy and that they're gonna be okay. That's the church. We don't meet each other and hang out for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning and then split our ways. No, no, no. We're a community that loves each other, spends time in each other's homes, gets to know each other. If, if you're struggling in some way, man, I'm going to be there for you, right? I'm not just going to pray for you on a Sunday morning. Say, oh, man, I, I hear your story. I feel bad for you. God bless you. And then send them on their way. No, no, no. How can I invest into this person to make sure that they're all right? Fiery community gathered around first their love for Christ, but also 
for their love for one another. Their love for one another. This is the church. The church is not a building. The church is not a service. The church is a people who love one another, who love Christ, who represent Jesus on the earth. A people who are filled with the presence of God. A people who host and tend to the fire on the inside of them. This is the church. And this is what the world is crying out for. The sons and daughters of God to be manifested on the earth. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand together. Jesus, we honor you today. God, I thank you once again for your presence in this service, God. God, I thank you for uh, allowing Amanda and Sandra to be here with us this morning. I thank you for the work that they're doing. God, that they are being the hands and feet of Jesus in this, in this city to these students. God, we continue just to pray blessing over them, Father. God, I thank you for this congregation, for this ecclesia that is in this room today, this congregation of believers, this fiery community. God, I pray, Jesus, that we would grow to be the church that you have called us to be, Jesus. That we would take on the authentic personality of this fiery community that you have established here on this corner in this church, Father. God, that we would love you with everything that we have, but we would also love each other as you have called us to do, Jesus. God, that we would look more and more like the church in Acts chapter two, the birthing of the church. And Father, that we would be the fiery community that you have called us to be. God, we love you. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.